This is the EPLOG audio experience. What's that sweet spot between HR and social entrepreneurship? Is it harder for people to digest if women are calling the shots? And how does one navigate that? Hello and welcome to Voice of Achievers. You're listening to our special people and HR series. My name is Yashika and I have a beautiful befitting guest discussing topics ranging from inclusive leadership, inculcating a learning culture, building a social organization in a remote village with an unknown language and embracing it as your own. Let's meet Bindu Vinodhan, an ICF certified executive coach an HR professional with over two decades of experience in learning and development and above all else like I have personally and closely experienced an extremely passionate social entrepreneur. She was global head L&D at WNS Global Services in her last assignment and in her previous assignment she's handled organizational effectiveness and change and organizational learning and development for companies like Vodafone, HP and Bank of America, where she was instrumental in designing and developing capability solutions for next-gen leaders. She also delivers guest lectures at Oxford on the subject applications of learning technology at the workplace. Now, we were sipping a cup of coffee at Starbucks during our first meeting and I was wrapped listening to her talk about how she's been using her HR expertise and sessions to fuel the cause she's passionate about. Bindu lives a dual life, one as an HR professional and the other as an L&D professional and coach, while the other two weeks of the month she's in a remote village in Orissa empowering women and uplifting traditional crafts in that region. So beautiful to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Bindu, you've been in HR and L&D for a while. What are the steps and ways in which people managers can inculcate a learning culture as an organization grows and scales? So, uh, realize that the one thing that you cannot rely on is everything to remain static while you're on your journey, you know? So everything changes. The organization changes, the environment changes, the industry changes, geopolitical situations change, and you change as an individual also. So I believe that it's almost incumbent for us to go in and learn new things to go on that journey. It's it's no longer a luxury, you know? Right. We have to do that to move ahead and for your own journey to see that advancement learning is not okay I'll do it when I have free time yeah it almost becomes an imperative for any any professional who's serious about their profession to do that so uh for me I realized that because I've taken many changes in my career I've always realized the need for my own learning to happen so I would tell my teams also that every year minimum one course I need to do for myself Lovely. and maybe more if I can you know yeah. and uh, till today uh, it's almost uh, more than two and a half decades or more reaching three decades now in my profession I still have not 
had a year where I hadn't done a course or I haven't Wonderful. taken up or learned something new because it always astounds me how much more I need to go on my journeys. When we when we're talking about organizations, particularly uh, Bindu, and at a time when learning has also become very self-driven, there are so many courses available at the click of a button. Which part of L&D should be driven intrinsically by team members and which part of learning and development should come extrinsically from the organization or the HR professional or the people manager? For many years, you know, we were dragging people by, you know, kicking and screaming people in, into training rooms. Yeah. And, you know, many of them came in because it was a good respite from all of their daily work and Many of them came in to learn too, but uh, it was driven by the organization. For a long time, it was the mandate, right? And in HR also, we measured ourselves like that. How many training hours? How many modules? Do you have a module for every level in the organization? All of that. So yeah. traditionally, that's how uh, organizations have worked to say that the pressure is on the L&D team to develop everybody in the organization. What I have learned, you know, not just from uh, being in HR, but also now in my the next phase of my journey, I have realized that HR can or L&D can play a beautiful catalyst role. And that role is to awaken or ignite the fire within and help people see the inner game. Yeah. You know, the inner game, I mean, is that there's so many questions in life that at every stage we face. And these are beautiful stages where, you know, by providing a very nice environment where people can explore these questions, where people can understand who I am, what am I here for? You know, there's a big words called purpose and all that. I'm not going to use that. You know, just simple. simple. There are more than... Uh, 7.9 or so billion people on this planet, much, right. much more than that. Yet, not one DNA is similar to the other, Yeah, which means each one of us was created so beautifully unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But we still want to be somebody else, right? I mean, there must be a reason that we were designed and created to be unique. There is no one like us on this planet. And I always think there must be a reason, right, why we've been sent here. And so exploring that and mm -hmm. finding what we are here for and what we can do better than anybody else in the world. What are our strengths? And in fact, many a time I call strengths as gifts, you know, just to know the gifts that we have been born with, that we can do. It comes to us so easy. What are those? Yeah. So I think uh, L&D can play a very good role in creating spaces where such discoveries can happen. And once you know where you need to go, what you want to do, who you are, you know, what you aim for, what's your reason for existence, then you know what tools you need to go on that journey. This is, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you here. Uh, this is an interesting point. Uh, and when you are talking about doing this self-exploration, is there a certain manner in which you suggest this may be done by individuals in terms of maybe journaling this down or writing this down or a certain way in which this can be accelerated? I always feel that 
it's more magical when it happens with a group and it's more uh, you know the energy of the group kind of serves as a catalyst Lovely. the energy of the facilitator serves as a catalyst you know i've been facilitating over many years and i feel one thing that i need to constantly work on is creating being able to create that space and be that catalyst that allows for miracles to happen right Lovely. discoveries to happen yeah. and so i feel that lnd role is that of course whatever is uh, said in lnd it is not that it's a secret you know it is you read so many books on how do i discover my purpose what are the 10 questions i should answer all of that lnd has an opportunity to create that space to be the catalyst to accelerate it everybody on their own they can go on an incremental journey that's yeah. easy yeah. but to go on that exponential journey where everything gets multiplied that's where i feel hr and lnd can play a role they can be those transformational catalysts that allow people to resonate so i feel that um, that's the role hr and lnd needs to play of course when you do this in the beginning when you tackle the inner game in the beginning and people know what they need then you facilitate the other stuff yeah. then they say okay i i really need to know how to tell great stories i really need to know how to negotiate i really need to understand this better so when so when you awaken that a lot of these things come from them and then the journey becomes easier you know and so you do that part of the functional and technical skills but i think this part the first part is hugely ignored yeah because it's just like all of you need this skill you need to come to class at this time to this time these are the 10 courses that you need to do yeah, yeah. yeah that uh, in this day and age i feel steer away from it yeah. i think it's that uh, difference between you know just like how we have a customized platter versus a platter soft for all yes and especially because you're doing it at uh, you're doing it for senior leaders right you're doing it for people who can think right who have reached here because they're really good at what they do Yeah. and then don't take away the agency from them and say that i'm going to tell you what, what you need yeah. yeah and make people part of the learning process in fact you know that also brings me to this uh, to the way that the world has changed from being largely physical to digital at some point in time yes. and now we are in that hybrid space having yeah. said that from an lnd point of view where is it that one can draw specifics in terms of these aspects may be digital however these must be in person it's interesting you asked that question because 2 years ago i would swear by none of this can be done digitally you yeah. know that's before the pandemic and over the pandemic i've realized that you can create these spaces even virtually i cannot tell you the number of women empowerment workshops that we call it i i don't like to use the word empowerment yeah. i would like to use the word you know uh, women finding their own voice we call our workshops voices where yeah. you find your inner voice and then you resonate with it so uh, when whilst we were doing that these would be typically you know workshop and you know people breaking down because of the intensity of the workshop and sharing and so everybody said and even i thought that this can never be done and i said only technical can go online and anything behavioral cannot and 
was I wrong? Yeah. You know, I mean, I was so wrong because it, it, you can give the same energy even in you can work, even even yeah absolutely cause you'll have to change a lot of the ways that you're doing it you cannot have long hours it's shorter you still have to keep the intensity you have to make sure that training is at three levels right training is at the cognitive or the mental level the brain level as we say training is at the heart and emotion level and training is at the body level, which is somatic. So unless it is all three are present, only then would you have a very impactful digital session. So I feel that it is possible. And some of my most intense ones over the last two years have been online. Yeah, of course, the energy is far easier doing it in person. But the most intense workshops also I have tried in the digital format and it's worked beautifully. I love when you brought about that aspect of you driving uh, sessions wherein you said uh, we call them voices for women. And uh, in fact, you yourself have driven uh, multiple inclusive policies. How can people managers bring inclusive policies into their HR structure? By working on themselves. Yeah. So you cannot be inclusive unless you have you are very clear about some of your own blocks yeah? unless you clear your own blocks yeah. so when we feel something but are saying something else it doesn't work you know so especially the organizations who are doing inclusion and diversity uh, and uh, all of these need to know that the first step is to work again on the inner game and to let people know and be aware of and it's not right or wrong we all grow up in a certain way we have life experiences and therefore we may have blocks that we may we are not aware of right we may have lenses of looking at the world which for us is the world yeah. you know because it's our lens we're not even aware so the ability to understand oh this is a lens this is my lens oh there are other lenses all of that is important to know. I usually see a lot of uh, diversity programs where it is all on, you should be doing this and this is not allowed and that's allowed, but seldom on, let me show you what the lens is that you're looking at the world. And let me also take you through other lenses that people use to see the world. It's not about changing our own lens. It's just about being aware how we are seeing certain things and it is up to us to decide ah okay maybe that's not the only lens that is there and there are other lenses and what's the benefit of being aware that there are so many lenses so i know that the person in front of me is may open or to may perspective. not be wearing my same lens you know so i feel that policies is really at the last stage and then you say in spite of knowing about this lens if you need some um, crutches or structures initially and you need to you know do some things then this is also the support that you have so we need to know what would happen and what at this workplace what is allowed what is not and what is the code of conduct here but I think that if you want to make it a cultural thing hmm. and before you get to policies 
we need to be aware of what's going on in the organization and what's the thought process because you talk about awareness bindu i'm you know if i'm reading this correctly and because we are looking at a constant evolution of the people manager themselves as well in yes. terms of reviewing what they feel is their lens and yes. uh, you know embracing new perspectives and perhaps there should also be an uh, inner view of them reviewing what they feel uh, on yeah. a constant basis as well yes yes and especially senior leadership yeah i had meetings where uh, senior leadership called me and said okay we are we'd love to go ahead with a dni agenda and these are the places where we can fit women i said oh oh we've started it off <laughs> you know that very line yeah shows what kind of you know so these are the places where women can fit you know Ouch. i mean yeah that's a beautiful lens i mean not right or wrong but yeah. that's the, their lens so yeah. we try to understand where that lens is coming from you know and what about all the other departments that are there you know and then then you explore the questions but you know so the intention is always right organizations when they say dni they're always great intentions but they don't know where sometimes many people are not aware of where leadership is coming from therefore especially for senior leadership i would say you know it's a good thing to examine the lens of the top team it's a very good exercise to do to examine uh, culture lens background context that will enable the dni journey policies is only uh, you know yes surface level yes yes it in fact I, you know i love the lens that you give this and i've i've noticed this in the previous conversations that we've had also that there is no judgment in terms of a particular lens that maybe you know these senior leaders may have in terms of yes. this is where they fit in maybe that's yes. the lens that they have and we are also embracing that yes absolutely you know and uh, for the right reasons so once we were uh, i was talking to a very senior leader from a manufacturing unit and they made uh, you know if i tell the name of what they make you will <laughs> know the name of the organization but you know it, it it's it's a part of an it's an automobile part right and and of course you know when they have got to go and do something there so so the you know when i asked why not that role and they said because there are no toilets there yeah and so then you know my question was okay so men don't need toilets then right you know yeah just yeah so it's the same thing i mean when we examine this we realize that is is it not unfair to men to be in a place where there are no toilets <laughs> i mean is that the issue the issue is of then the issue becomes that if we provide toilets then can both men and women work there sometimes it's as small as that i'm just giving you a very yeah. uh, a small example but you know it's conventionally driven down that these places because there are no toilets and you know so instead of brainstorming on how to do that it becomes easier to say that allowed for women not you know not allowed for women allowed for men so sometimes it's being traditional it's you don't even know you're repeating it 10 years ago somebody in the team yeah. said that and then it's got now passed on i remember when i was once working for a telecom organization and we were choosing a network head for a particular location uh, somebody just joked in the room and said oh but um, 
if our network head is a woman, she can't climb towers, right? I mean, how will we have that? So the question we asked is, how many men network heads in the last five years have climbed a tower, have needed to climb a tower, right? Right. The answer is, you know, for obvious reasons, you know what the answer is. So sometimes it's these jokes, it's these small things that have been driven. And I'm not uh, being, uh, you know, saying this for just for women alone, even for men, mm -hmm. there are don't put this man there because, you know, needs this needs a softer touch. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the same. Yeah. And these are the lenses, not right or wrong. Intention is very, very good. Right. Yeah. I, I want her to be okay. I want my employees to be fine. Absolutely. Yeah? But, um, but then, you know, when it comes out, then that's a message you set to the company, which is not changed in this particular case for the last 10 for years, months. right? Yeah. So sometimes what you say becomes the norm for the organization for a longer period of time. That is why senior leaderships hold the key to creating a great culture within the organization that is very, very inclusive in nature. And for that, that's why I said we need to invest in time to help leaders discover their own lenses. You know, I, I love the way, you know, you gave the example of um, the woman climbing up on the tower. Is it harder for people to digest if a woman is calling the shots? I don't think so. It's more difficult if it has been a traditional a role that has been considered a traditional male role. Then it is it is difficult. But more and more, uh, as we say, breaking uh, glass ceilings yes. and all of that, you know, it's the norm now to go find many, many women in roles that have been traditionally performed by men. I wouldn't say that's the bigger problem. I think the larger problem is how we feel calling the shots, is what a woman leader feels calling the shots. Yeah, If I'm comfortable calling the shots, then no human being in this world will feel uncomfortable with me. But if I'm uncomfortable calling the shots and if I'm fearing that this was what, am I here doing the right thing? Or, you know, is this the way? Should I be a little bit more aggressive? And if I'm, you know, questioning so many dots and so many doubts in my mind, and if I am in that space, then it becomes very difficult for me to create that confidence in somebody else. How does one so overcome would... that barrier? If you know, if we take a step back, I'm just taking a step back and thinking for all the women that may feel that I may want to cross this path or cross this barrier or self-made barrier or societal, whatever it may be. How is it that they may cross this barrier of overcoming this confidence issue? There are there are a lot of ways to do that. And, you know, um, and become comfortable calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh, for a long time, it was said that courage is uh, not trainable. You know, many people shared that view that you either have it or don't have it. I mean, it's something that you have. But the research in the last few decades have shown that even that is trainable. Yeah. Wow. And when you unlock your fears. So firstly, to find a space where you can really find what you're fearful of. 
name it, label it, spell it out, and then find ways to overcome that. So that whole process is called unlocking fears. And uh, there are many methods to do that. You can you know, be part of transformational workshops. You can read books on it. Uh, you can, you know, take the help of a coach to do that. But, uh, you know, over the last uh, decade uh, or so, even that you can become really courageous. And there are life moments also that makes you courageous, but you can't wait for those, right? And you need to take some steps yourself as well. Spend time on identifying and finding out, first of all, and having, you know, developing the courage to say it out openly, yes, this is my fear. And so the minute you say that you are 50% there in yeah. the journey and the remaining 50% is about now that I have discovered it, you know, how do I unlock it and how do I just keep that big rock which was weighing me down away and so I can now take my next big flight from here. So all of us have. We all have fears. Some are good fears. Some are fears because, you know, of people who have come into our lives, of situations going on in our life. Life uh, throws things at us constantly. And so we are survival beings. And so we protect ourselves and say, oh, that's happened once. I'm not going to allow that to happen again. And so this is something that I may, may not do going forward. So life gives us and experiences all of that we all have fears to find out what it is and to unlock it will will take us to the next step of courage yeah so i feel that even that can be done and that's what i do with people in my workshops and any transformational workshop will focus on that i love how you say that courage actually can be one can be trained yes. for courage yes yes i feel there are three things actually four things that give people and I used to look for these qualities in my corporate world as well when we were choosing people to move to the next level and uh, you know one one big one is the question you asked me first learning agility yeah the ability to know that the world is constantly offering you opportunities to learn and develop yourself and to do it really quick we don't have all the time in the world yeah, yeah? so learning agility how quickly you do that yeah and how do you do that with these three competencies? If you have, you can really create um, a lot of movement. First one is change. You know, change is uh, life has many things coming at you. And, you know, we as a species evolved because we changed, we adapted. We said, how about crossing this ocean? Yeah. How about building a boat? When all the other animals said, are you crazy? Yeah. Why are you doing that? But we as a species, we did that. Mm -hmm. We move. We constantly adapted and evolved. That's why we are here. Therefore, the superior of the species would be someone who can adapt really quick. Nothing is static. So a uh, person who can do that uh, in the shortest period of time, so I think somebody who can lead change, manage change, the great competency. The second one is communication. We all have the ability to think and all of that. But how do you manifest that and then share what you feel, guide people, and especially for leadership? You know, how do yeah. you take people along with you? Whatever you think, can you articulate it really well? And a big source of connection is communication. So 
a big source of building trust is communication so how do you do that so those that i think is a big quality Pe people who can tell stories who can negotiate well who can have really tough crucial conversations where yeah. you know stakes are also high emotions are happening but you know it is very important to have that conversation so uh, i feel being masterful at conversations and communication is very important and the last but not the least which i just shared with you is courage yeah is to stand up and say this is what i believe in you know and uh, so when you have these attributes i think that you're on a transformational journey then you know transforming yourself and of course transforming the world because obviously such a person will transform the world what is achievement mean to you <laughs> achievement is like when i you know i live in a little mud house in uh, odisha where you know in in uh, in udla that's where uh, my house is in when i sleep in the night and you know i i i just crash knowing that i've had this beautiful day where you know there are a lot of other people you know sleeping very nicely and peacefully and maybe it is because of what me and my team may have done so just the thought of that that i'm sleeping so well and maybe there are a few people also sleeping well today you know that for me is my biggest achievement wonderful the conversation with bindu doesn't end here like i mentioned Bindu lives a dual life one as an HR trainer and corporate professional while the other is as a social entrepreneur stay tuned for part 2 of this conversation where we marry social entrepreneurship with HR and people management and beautifully sketch what we can do and what Bindu has done to marry her skills of people management and learning and development with her passion for social entrepreneurship you're listening to voice of achievers with me yashika keep listening on any streaming platform that you prefer exclusively via eplog media